What is up, my dudes? Welcome back to another episode of Olympia Oddities. I hope everyone had a great, wonderful holiday season. Um, I had a really long break, obviously, but I'm really excited to be back. I feel like refreshed and ready to get back into the swing of telling you guys all the weird stuff that I find. So, uh, let's get into my pre-show notes for this episode, which are kind of actually exciting this time. I know. I think that I saw a UFO. I really do. In my heart, in my deepest part of my heart, I really feel like I saw a UFO. So, here's the story. It was New Year's Eve, and I was hanging out with, like, a really good friend of mine, and it turned midnight, and people started shooting off, like, fireworks around, and we were at a spot that was, like, over some water, and, like, you know, like, the sky was, like, really big and, like, really visible, so we were like, hey, let's go outside and go watch these. <clears throat> So I'm sitting on this picnic table, just chilling, um, like watching the fireworks, and I'm just like, oh yeah, cool, having a good time. And so like literally the second my friend looks away from the sky, I see this like super blue light, literally like, I don't even want to say it, but the shape of it was like, it was like the, the Mount Rainier UFO episode thing, where it's like this half disc crescent shape thing, and it was literally there, bright blue, it like, came across this guy, made a quick little, like, turny thing, and then just, like, zoomed off into the night. And it was probably less than, like, a second or half a second, and it was just gone. So, like, I started crying immediately, which is weird of itself, but, like, I don't know why. I was just like, oh my god, I saw a UFO. And so I explained, like, what I saw to my friend, and we stayed outside for a little bit. But nothing happened other than, like, other fireworks, which were clearly fireworks. Like, that's the thing, is, like, I have seen a couple Fourth of Julys. You know, I'm 25. Like, I've seen a couple New Year's Eves and a couple Fourth of Julys in my time. I know what a firework looks like. You know what I mean? This was not a firework. I'm so stressed out about it. Um, yeah, the rest of the night, I was just, like, I think I just saw UFO. I think I was just in shock. Um... Yeah, that was wild, and honestly a great way to start the new year. I made a report about it to the National UFO Reporting Center, um, and I did check the box that they could call me if they had any questions about my sighting, and no one has made an attempt to talk to me, and the last time I checked, it wasn't published on the website. So, there's that. Um, I hope that they recognize that it's not a hoax, and they um, publish it, because that would be cool. Anyways, so, let's get into the real part of today's episode. So, today's episode, also Sky-related, is Colton Harris-Moore, the Barefoot Bandit. Responsible for more than 70 crimes across 8 states and 3 countries, his crime spree totaled up to more than $3 million dollars. Today, we're diving into how a teenager with no flight training, no driver's license, and a patchy history of attending school managed to pull off a three-year crime spree. So Colton Harris-Moore was born on March 22, 1991, at the Skagit Valley Hospital and Health Center in Mount Vernon, Washington. He grew up on Camano Island at his mom's house. His childhood was really unstable, and his dad Gordon used drugs and went to prison when uh, Colton was just a toddler. When he was around four, CPS became involved after several neighbors reported that they thought that he was being abused or neglected. 
At the age of seven, he began to head out into the woods alone and stay in them for days. His mom, Pamela, said that in school, he would start altercations, break things on purpose, and wouldn't listen to his teachers. CPS removed him from the home for a few days when he was just 10 years old. Um, I couldn't really find much on that except for that he was, like, given back to them, um, his mom after being removed for a few days, so it doesn't seem like, uh, much really happened with that, but his childhood was definitely unstable and his mom had a drinking problem and he would fight, or his parent, his mom and, like, his stepdad that he had for a while and then, like, his mom's boyfriends and stuff would, like, fight and it just seems like he had a really stressful home life, so... Honestly, heading out into the woods? Can't blame a kid. He was also obsessed with airplanes as a kid, with drawings that he had made of them hanging on his walls and toy planes made from balsa wood. He even visited his aunt's property with a metal detector for, to search for the wreckage of a World War II airplane that had crashed. His mom would later say if a plane flew over, he would say, I can tell you what year it was built, who built it, and what size engine it has. When he was living in the woods, he began breaking into vacation homes. He would take blankets, food, and water before returning to the forest for days. When he was 12, he got his first conviction for stolen property. By the time he was 13, he had three more. The consequence for each of these convictions was a 10-day stay in a detention center, or the option of community service. He was also diagnosed with di uh, depression, attention deficit disorder, and intermittent explosive disorder at this time. When he was a teen, he would also make a friend who would become his burglary, burglary partner, a guy a few years younger than him named Harley Davidson Ironwing. Ironwing. Sorry, like, I am not a parent. I'm not here to give parenting advice. I'm just saying, like, if you don't want your child to do petty crimes, maybe don't name them Harley Davidson. You know? I don't know. That's just, that's just what I would do. Uh, together, they would hit up vacation homes and steal supplies ca and cash. Colton would take people's credit cards to place um, fraudulent online orders. These orders included items like outgore, outdoor gear, <laughs> bear mace, computer hacking software, and GPS systems. People didn't know it, but Colton was getting ready for an adventure. They would even take people's cars out on joy rides, washing it and filling up the gas tank when they returned them to their garages. By 2017, or 2007, sorry, this year, like, decade change thing has, has me all screwed up. 2020, I don't know, I feel like this month has been kicking my butt. Sorry. By 2007, Island County sheriffs had posted wanted signs all over the area looking for Colton. Eventually, he was caught and faced 23 criminal charges in Island County Superior Court. He pleaded guilty to three of them and was sentenced to more than three years in the custody of Juvenile Rehabilitation Administration. He did well at the reform school he was sent to in eastern Washington and was eventually sent to a lower secure security group home in Renton. In 2008, the event that would kick off an international hunt for a teenage fugitive began. When he was 17, Colton fled the halfway house he was staying at. He left through an open window after lights out. He headed to the woods of Orcas Island. He continued breaking into houses for supplies and even hit up a general store. He disabled the store alarm that notified the police and took some food, including packages of hot dogs, beef jerky, potato chips, and a case of vitamin water. Residents around the area began to notice strange charges to their credit cards, too. 
Around this time, he also managed to steal a rifle out of the back of a police car and burglarized the fire station, taking their infrared camera, which he used to see if anyone was inside of their homes before breaking into them. During this manhunt, he stopped by his mom's house for breakfast one morning. After he left, the cops came and asked if she had seen him. She said, yeah, we just had breakfast together, much to the anger of the cops. They explained that she was harboring a fugitive, and she explained, that's my kid. If he's hungry, I'm going to feed him. I don't care if it's harboring or not. And this is like, I really thought that Colton was going to be the star of this story when I first started it. Like, I remember this all happening when I was in high school. At the time, I thought it was like, honestly, pretty cool. Um, I was such a shithead teenager that I was like, oh, that sounds awesome. He's stealing all these planes and like, eventually you'll see he's like flying to tropical locations. Um, but now like looking back on this, his mom is really like a, the, uh, just an interesting character, I guess I'll put it that way. Uh, we'll get into that more later on in this episode. There's more examples of that. Um, but yeah, she seems like the real, a real character too. Uh, This drove the police crazy as they realized Colton was probably living within a mile of his mom's place, and they still couldn't catch him. Uh, Colton moved to East Sound on Orcas Island and continued his burglaries of shops and homes, often not wearing any shoes, leading to his media nickname of the Barefoot Bandit. Other sources say that he was once spotted running from the cops barefoot, and that incident led to his nickname. Officials have said, now, that most of the time he did wear shoes, and Colton would use the Barefoot Bandit name himself to sign notes, so I guess he approved of it. During this time, he broke into Orca's hardware store, climbing the roof to enter the second-story window. He took supplies and used a crowbar to break into the store's safe and took $3,000. A restaurant in the area got surveillance video of him stealing a credit card. He used this cred- this cred? This card? (laughs) Oh, he used this card to buy instruction manuals on how to fly a plane, had the manual shipped to the restaurant, and because he was monitoring the tracking number, he was able to break into the store again once it had been delivered and then take the manuals. He set up his night or he set up his camp for the night in the forest and then turned his attention to the island's airport. He carefully watched the comings and goings of planes in and out of the airport, watched flight instruction videos online, and studied his manuals. Finally he decided it was time. And he stole a Cessna 182 Skyplane. On a stormy November morning, he flew from Orcas Island to the Yakima Reservation in the Palm Springs of Washington, where he had a hard landing in the plane, causing lots of damage to it. This plane was owned by local radio personality Bob Rivers, who I've seen throw out a first pitch at a Mariners game, and my dad, I think he was like on 102.5, I don't know, I feel like I remember my dad listening to him a lot when I was a kid growing up. Um, So that's kind of funny, I don't know why that makes me laugh. I do feel bad that his plane was so badly destroyed, but... Later, the plane would be restored and kept safely in Florida. Authorities assumed that a drug runner had stolen the plane and were unaware of the real truth. In September of 2009, the San Juan County Sheriff's Office announced that he was a suspect in two plane crafts, two plane thefts, and multiple burglaries. He was believed to be headed to Canada in a stolen boat. He managed to make his way through British Columbia before finally sneaking back across the U.S. border to Bonners Ferry, Idaho, a town that I think I only recognized because it was in one of the Oregon Trail games. On September 29th, he flew a stolen plane to Snohomish County. On October 1st, a logger found the wreckage of the plane near Granite Falls. When police arrived at the scene, they found barefoot prints leading off to a camp in the woods. On May 30th or 31st, police found a handwritten note and $100 at a vet clinic in Raymond, Washington. The note read, 
drove by, had some extra cash. Please use this an- please use this money for the care of animals. Colton Harris Moore, aka the Barefoot Bandit, Camino Island, Washington. And like that's sweet. You know, like I don't want to be like, oh, like the burglary kid did a nice thing, but you know, like that's a it's a little heartwarming, you know. Um Police in the San Juans found cartoonish chalk outlines of feet drawn upon the floor of a grocery store that was broken into in February of 2010. The media started heavily covering the story, and a local Seattle man started selling t-shirts bearing Moore's picture with the words, Mama Tried. A Facebook page supporting Colton popped up with the message, Run Colton Run, stamped across t-shirts and mugs for sale. In February of 2010, a stolen plane plane from Anacortes Island landed in the mud on Orcas Island. Colton allegedly broke into homegrown market and gourmet deli shortly after, making himself a meal before vandalizing security cameras and leaving a message, chalk outlines of bare footprints leading out the door, and the message, see ya, which I shouldn't laugh, it's not funny, but it's a little funny. Manhunts that included helicopters, man trackers, and SWAT teams were launched near Granite Falls and on Orcas Island. The FBI, U.S. Customs and Border Patrol, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, the U.S. Coast Guard, and sheriff's deputies from at least six different counties all participated in the hunt, but Colton was still able to evade them. His crime spree led him through Idaho, South Dakota, Nebraska, and Iowa, finally to end up in Bloomington, Indiana. Uh, Here he stole a Cessna Corvallis and flew it to the south end of Great Abaco, Abaco in the Bahamas, crash landing in the shoreline waters. When his mother heard of this rocky landing in a single-engine plane, she was quoted by the press as saying, Colt is not to be flying a single-engine plane. When I heard that, it just upset me. The rules are that he carries a parachute with him and takes two engine planes. Tell him he needs to call me. Which, ma'am, he is on the run from the FBI. It's a little <laughs> past uh, calling your mom because you're in trouble. You know what I mean? It's just, whoo, I don't know. She also said, The furthest he gets from the U.S., the better. I'm glad he's able to enjoy the beautiful islands, but they extradite. It doesn't help matters at all. Soon afterwards, several break-ins were reported across the island. One break-in was at Coakley's International Sporting Lounge, where he had cut a window screen to break in, took apart the security light, and moved the TV's remote controls. The manager, Donaldo Bain, said he was watching television. He was just chilling. Just straight vibing. He broke into another establishment, facing all the security cameras away at the wall before leaving empty-handed. The owner, Alistair McDonald, thinks that he was looking for cash or had gotten nervous, and that's why he left without anything. In total, he would become a suspect in seven burglaries of homes and businesses on Great Abaco. Abaco? I really, like, should have looked up the pronunciation before I started recording, but we're in the thick of it now. The Royal Bahamas Police Force posted wanted posters looking for him. On July 6, 2010, a bartender claimed to have spotted him at the bar they worked at. They said that he drank a beer and left after about five minutes. He'd been wearing a hat over a shaved head and he had been barefoot. His arrival in the Bahamas couldn't have been at a better time since it was their annual sailor's regatta that allowed him to blend in easily with the crowds of tourists. The festival is a yearly ritual for sailors, and 50-plus boats race and compete, bringing thousands of spectators to the island. Um, on July 6th, an indictment was released from a federal judge in the, of the U.S. District Court of Western Washington. 
The indictment cites more for interstate transport of stolen property and airplane theft related to a plane stolen from Bonners Ferry, Idaho that crashed outside Granite Falls. The FBI offered a $10,000 reward with information uh, leading to his arrest. For information leading to his arrest. On July 11th, 2010, Colton Harris was finally arrested. He was apprehended right before dawn at Harbor Island in the Bahamas. Local authorities had picked up his trail in Eleutheria after recovering a 44-foot power boat stolen from a marina on Great Abaco. When he confront or when confronted, he attempted to flee, but the police were able to shoot out the engine of his stolen boat. He threw his computer into the water and allegedly put a gun to his head, threatening suicide. Uh, luckily for everyone, the police were able to talk him out of it and safely arrest him. He explained that he had been intending to go to Cuba to throw people off his trail, then to Turks and Caicos. The $10,000 reward was split, split among those who captured him, including Jordan Sackett, Captain Ronald Billiot, Captain Patrick Young, Captain Ben Johnson, and Stint Kenny Strakan, a security guard at the Remora Bay Resort. On July 13th, Colton pleaded guilty to illegally entering the Bahamas and illegally landing a plane. He was sentenced to either three months in jail or a $300 fine. Depend or deciding to go with the fine, his mother wired money to the U.S. Embassy, who in turn paid the fine. He was released and deported overnight, accompanied by police from the United States and the Bahamas to Florida. In a July 16th hearing in Florida, it was determined that he would be sent back to Washington to face charges because that's where his warrant for arrest originated. He was held at the Federal Detention Center in Miami before being transferred to the Federal Detention Center in SeaTac, Washington. A federal judge at the U.S. District Court of Western Washington in Seattle set a November 5th deadline for prosecutors to have more formally indicted by a federal grand jury. However, he declined his right to a speedy trial, which gave both the defense and prosecution more time to prepare their cases. On November 18th, 2010, Moore pleaded not guilty in federal court to charges of interstate transportation of a stolen plane, boat, and gun, and being a fugitive in possession of a firearm and of flying a plane without a pilot's license. When it was all said and done, Colton was to serve six and a half years in prison for his crime spree. In 2015, he started a blog attempting to tell his side of the story, as well as endorse Donald Trump for president. So, there's that. It has since been taken down. In 2016, he was released on probation to a halfway house in Seattle, and now works at a law firm in Seattle doing clerical work. Please don't sue me. He attempted to crowdfund money to go to flight school, but his parole officer put an end to it and told him that any money raised must go back to paying the $129,000 in restitution that he owes his victims. Thank you for listening to another episode of Olympia Oddities. If you want to support the podcast, leave a positive review, tell a friend, or follow the podcast on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Uh, um, at Olympia Oddities on all of those. My personal Instagram is at Trista Jean, and my personal Twitter is at MKUlta underscore, if you want to give those a follow. And until next time, friends.